This is uh, Dr. Pedro Ramirez, Editor-in-Chief of the International Journal of Gynecological Cancer, and today I have the pleasure of speaking with uh, Larissa Meyer, who is an Associate Professor in the Department of Gynecologic Oncology and also has a joint appointment in Health Services Research at MD Anderson Cancer Center. Welcome, Larissa. Thank you. It's good to be here. Today we're going to be covering the topic of the role of uh, patient-reported outcomes in gynecologic oncology. Um, and Larissa, I was wondering if you can start by just giving us an overview um, as to what is the definition of outcomes measures with uh, patient-reported outcomes. So outcome measures are typically instruments that are designed to measure what we call patient-reported outcomes. The definition of a patient-reported outcome is the report or of status that comes directly from a patient without any intermediary interpretation of the patient's response by anyone else, whether that be a clinician or other individual. So PRO measures can be questionnaires, scales, indices that measure things such as symptoms, function, or more complex multidimensional concepts such as quality of life. Okay. And um, how would you use these tools basically to implement a, a change in your in your clinical practice? How how should we use the results from these uh, from these uh, uh, surveys or questionnaires? So currently, we're using patient-reported outcomes in our research, uh, and this informs us in a variety of ways. For example, from a quality perspective, when we implemented enhanced our enhanced recovery program a couple years ago, we were able to measure patient-reported outcomes before and after. And we were able to get a sense from a patient perspective the difference that we were making and the changes in our care. Additionally, we've used that to move the science forward, and it has informed new clinical trials. So to give you a specific example of that, we noticed that although we had you know, more than a 70% reduction in opioid use, when we adhered to an enhanced recovery protocol, really our patient-reported pain scores were stable. So it was good in the fact that they weren't worse, but that allowed us to focus new research efforts on different ways to try and further reduce patient-reported pain or a patient's perception of pain. So it's interesting. You mentioned that um, you have uh, used these tools and implemented the routine evaluation of uh, patient-reported outcomes. Um, under the uh, pathways of enhanced recovery after surgery. Um, one question that, that I had is, is patient-reported outcomes something that we should be looking specifically in surgical patients, or is this something that can also um, be used in the setting of therapeutic trials, um, post-chemotherapy? Um, w- what is the, 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 the reproducibility, and in, 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 uh, in where can we expand on the reuse of these um, outcomes? So I think that PRO measures are equally relevant in surgical trials as well as medical trials. And here in our center, we have ongoing research studies, both in developmental therapeutics, uh, as well as routine clinical care type patients, so sort of real-world PRO evidence and, and our surgical trials. And, you know, I think the benefit of including PROs into research in general is that it really brings a patient-centered focus into the research. Um, what are some of the most common tools that um, you're using today to evaluate PROs? So there are 
hundreds and hundreds of PRO tools that are available. And there are different websites that categorize them. Typically in our research, we've been using the MD Anderson Symptom Inventory. Uh, in addition, we've used some scales such as the CESD, which is a tool uh, for depression. We also have an anxiety scale that we use. So you mentioned several of them. Is there one that you would consider is the the best one or the most ideal one for measuring patient-reported outcomes? No, I really think you need to tailor the instruments that you choose for the reason that you're collecting the data. You know, there's also, you know, the Europeans have a variety of instruments that are used quite widely in clinical trials. You know, I would say the U.S. counterpart has been the FACT series. You know, there's the FACTO for ovary. There's the FACT for cervix. We've also used, um, in some of our developmental therapeutic trials, some specific skin questionnaires to try to get some of the different toxicities. So really, I think you need to think critically about the topic that you're interested in and pick the appropriate tools because there are so many out there. And you mentioned that at MD Anderson, uh, we used the Medassi. Uh, tell us a little bit about that tool and um, and and. How was that ultimately developed? So the MD Anderson Symptom Inventory was developed at MD Anderson by Charlie Cleland. It is a multi-symptom patient-reported outcome measure for both clinical and research use. The Medassi can be used to assess the severity of symptoms experienced by patients with cancer, as well as the interference with daily living caused by the symptom. So there is something called the core Medassi, and that includes 13 symptom items as well as six interference items, and that makes up the core. And that asks questions, for example, pain, fatigue, nausea, disturbed sleep, distress, feeling upset, shortness of breath, you know, among many others. And these are items that have been found to be common through many different um, types of cancer patients. In addition, however, they have separate modules that are more specific. The MD Anderson uh, ovarian module was developed many years ago, and that's the one that we used initially in a lot of our surgical research. More recently, we've completed a GYN surgery-specific Medassi, and that should be published soon um, and available for use. In addition, the Medassi cervix is another one that's currently under development, and that takes the Medassi core, but then also validates some additional symptoms that might be more specific to a specific cancer population. So it sounds like there's been a lot of work done and ongoing work in, in the development of the, all of the Medassi tools. Is this a tool that is available to everyone? Um, how do other centers um, get access to the Medassi? So I would encourage individuals to check the website for use and rules. My understanding is that it's available both in paper and pencil, electronic, as well as telephone-based interactive voice response formats, all of which have been studied and found to be equally effective. I do believe that there are different rules for access depending on if, if you're using it for routine clinical use within your own center versus research versus industry-funded research, which is common, I think, for many PRO instruments. So I would encourage individuals to check the website for the specifics. 
And so, Larissa, for those who may not be familiar with this type of um, uh, research or uh, tools, uh, just going to the basics, uh, what, what, do you, what do you say are the major differences between like the PRO tools that you mentioned and the validated questionnaires for standard quality of life assessment? So, in general, I would start with what is the different, or what is, the, I'm sorry, what is the definition of health-related quality of life and how is that different than any other PRO? So, as we discussed earlier, PRO is really any report of status that comes directly from the patient. And so, health-related quality of life naturally falls under the PRO umbrella, but it's more specific. So there's a number of different definitions for health-related quality of life, but I think a common one, you could say broadly that health-related quality of life, or HRQOL, is the functional effect of a medical condition or its treatment on a patient. And so by nature, health-related quality of life is going to be subjective. It's multidimensional. It can include physical, occupational function, psychological state, social interaction, and somatic sensations. So any PRO measure can be a validated instrument, not just health-related quality of life, but there are some specific criteria uh, and a specific science to developing PRO instruments. Some of the testing or properties that need to be included in a good PRO instrument includes reliability. So for example, that's the degree to which a PRO measure is free from measurement of error. You also look at things like internal consistency reliability, and this can be defined as, for example, the degree of the interrelatedness, <clears throat> excuse me, the interrelatedness among the items in a multi-item PRO measure. So, you know, for example, you wouldn't want three questions necessarily that are all capturing a similar thing. They look at things such as test, retest, reliability, validity, and validity has a number of areas as well. So you want to think about the content validity, the construct validity, the criterion validity, the responsiveness. That's the extent to which a PRO measure can detect changes over time, as well as the interpret interpretability of the scores. And then the burden. I mean, I think when mm -hmm. we think about patients, we need to think about the burden of answering these questionnaires or tools. So you mentioned, obviously, a lot of information that is available to the healthcare provider and the healthcare team. <clears throat> how, do the, how does this information uh, impact the, the patient's understanding of their recovery? So I think for some of the feedback that I've gotten from patients who've participated both in our surgical PRO trials, as well as those who are participating. For example, we have an ongoing longitudinal study with patients with recurrent ovarian cancer, and these patients are answering over time you know, the same PRO measures. And we've gotten feedback that it's been helpful for patients to take a few minutes out and to think about how they're feeling and how that's impacting their life. You know, I think it can also be helpful as we move away from PROs in research and more into the use of patient-reported outcomes in routine clinical care. For example, you could look at the PROs and show them to the patient so they could see their trend over time in a flow sheet. For example, for something like 
pain or their ability to work, and that could help patients potentially even make decisions such as the important decision of when to stop active therapy. So now, with regards to the uh, the data that you're gathering, uh, do you find that this may potentially minimize variations in patient care, particularly after surgery? So I think it depends, again, on how you use the the information. If you're looking broadly at PROs within a center, for example, you get a sense of how patients are doing. If you wanted to look in a more finite way, you could look at patients by, for example, individual provider. That would be another way, just like looking at other outcomes by provider, to see if there are outliers or people who need to change some of the things that they're doing to bring them into line with the standard of the rest of the group. Now, um, obviously, the, the readership of our, of our journal covers uh, a global community. Um, so what would be your recommendations for those in, in low-resource countries if they wanted to gather um, this type of information on their patients? Are, are these tools available to them? So I think the rules governing each individual instrument varies by the developer. However, there are a number of free tools that are available for routine clinical care, and these can be easily found by searching on the web. In addition, you need a place to store the information. Again, many of the medical records, the electronic medical records today, allow you to actually send out PRO measures and store the information directly within the electronic medical record. There's also REDCap, which is a free database, which is available to all. I think the important thing is to partner with someone who has experience in this type of work to decide on the scope of what you're trying to identify in terms of PROs, as well as the frequency of how often to give the measure. And then, obviously, you need someone who knows how to analyze the data. Okay. Um, where do you see the, the future of uh, symptoms research and, and PROs in the management of patients with um, gynecological cancers? So I think there is a bright future for PROs in symptom research and GYN. I think one of the things that we're going to see in the coming years is a much larger movement towards taking PROs out of just a clinical research setting and into routine clinical care. I think we're going to see the development and validation of new PRO instruments that can capture the experience of patients, not just undergoing surgery, but also novel therapeutics. For example, a lot of the original instruments that were designed were designed really in an era of chemotherapy. And now with the advent of immunotherapy and a lot of the other new biologic therapies, we're seeing new toxicities and symptoms. And we will need to look at our existing instruments and make adjustments accordingly. Lastly, I think that the study of clinically relevant cut points is going to be of greater importance as we move PROs into routine clinical care. As clinicians, we need to know what is a clinic clinically meaningful difference. As clinicians, we don't necessarily care what's statistically significant. We want to know what's clinically relevant. We also want to know what things we can use as red flags, for example, to help us change the course of a patient's care and outcome. Well, Larissa, one last question. I mean, obviously you have done a tremendous amount of work and um, have published extensively on this subject. Um, and certainly I congratulate you uh, on your accomplishments. 
One uh, last question that I had is for, for anyone who is interested in um, getting into this area of, uh, of research of patient-reported outcomes and outcomes research, you have a joint appointment with uh, Health uh, Services Research. Can you give us a little bit of information with regards to like what kind of training you had um, in order to learn about these tools, in order to implement and, and impact uh, patient care? Sure. So from a formal training standpoint, I do have a master's in public health, and a lot of the concepts such as construct validity, reliability, those are things that you study uh, in the purview of a public health background. And to be honest, the majority of my training has been on the job, you know, finding good mentors here at MD Anderson who are experts in symptom research. They have been a huge uh, influence in me and the career path that, that I have taken and I think, you know, honestly, both in research and real world, we can't do anything alone. So getting a good team together, both people who can mentor you as well as people who share the same passion and who do the day-to-day -day work to collect the PROs, all of those things have been important in my line of work. Well, certainly it's been a pleasure speaking with you. This has been incredibly informative. Any uh, final thoughts on summary? I think we're just seeing the beginning of PROs in gynecology, and I look forward to revisiting this topic in five to 10 years' time. Well, thank you so much, Larissa. It's been a pleasure.